All right, Monday's in the rearview mirror. We focus on the Kings and the Denver Nuggets tonight. And joining us from Denver, Colorado, I know he had a rough uh, few moments here in his hotel. Or elevator wouldn't work. Hopefully he's all settled in and ready for the game. Kyle Draper, what's up, Drapes? Hey, what's up, man? I, I tell you what, this experience game day is much better <laughs> Good. than last experience. Remember last time? I was in Denver. I walked up the steps to get to the broadcast location. Oh, yeah. G-Man came up. And I was like, G-Man, you got to be out of breath. You got to be tired. You, how'd you walk up all those steps? He said, Drapes, I just took the elevator. That's right there. <laughs> so I found the elevator this time. So I'm off to a much better start today. I'm ready today. Good, Let's go. good. Do you have any words of uh, wisdom or encouragement for Kings fans who are still, you know, to a degree, we're still kind of picking ourselves off the deck after that, um, that stunning loss on Monday? I would just say to Kings fans as we begin this show, the goals are still the same. Whether you're the fourth seed, seventh seed, eighth seed, it doesn't matter. This team ultimately will be judged by what they do during the postseason. And I understand this regular season, Whitey, it's not as enjoyable as last season. A lot of heartache, a lot of issues like, oh, my gosh, how are we losing to these teams that we should be beating, especially when they're shorthanded. But I remind you, what the Miami Heat did last year, and I'm not saying we go into the NBA Finals. I'm saying it's still a possibility. Imagine being a Miami Heat fan last year. You're upset all season long. Yeah. You're the seventh seed to play in. You lose your first game at home, mind you. Let's not forget, they lost their first game. So you got a winner-take-all, a do-or-die situation just to get into the play, and then ultimately it all worked out for them. If you ask Miami Heat fans, they had a successful season. So I urge Sacramento Kings fans, and I'm one of them, obviously, don't get your panties in the bundle. bundle. It's still time. Everything will be okay. Let's judge this team by what they do the full 82 and the postseason. By the way, speaking of the Heat, you remember we were talking to Eric Reed on Monday, yep. and I made that joke about, well, if DeMar DeRozan's daughter had been at the other playing game and he gave me a look, I actually talked to him after that down when we're, you know, in the dining area. Yeah. And he was very, he said, I, I totally forgot about that. So I was, I said, I was afraid I offended <laughs> you. He was very nice. He said, thanks for having me on. But the look he gave me is because he just wasn't sure of the reference I was making. So I, Oh, <laughs> it, it wasn't because he didn't like your joke or right, anything. Like, right. Or you offended him. Or, right. Oh, okay. Right. So uh, you were worried about that, man. I, I, I was. You, that bothered you. Yeah. That thing, that thing <laughs> fell hard as a rock. It did. <laughs> that was brutal. It, it did. It did. Now, yesterday you were telling us that we shouldn't be as surprised as some of us were that the Kings came up short against the shorthanded Heat. Now, why, why is that? Yesterday you were saying, hey – it's not a surprise. And you're not the only one saying this. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, we can talk about them being shorthanded. And that's not my issue. I look at the style of play the Miami Heat brings. Whether it's number one, Jimmy Butler, or number 13, Highsmith. Like, they, they have a style of play that bothers the Sacramento Kings. I was in the film session with the team today, and, I, I, and, and I, I glad, I'm glad Mike Brown showed this. Because a lot of times we watch the game, we're like, oh, the Kings played actually played pretty well. Well, when you go back and look at the film, you see why the Miami Heat won, why the, the Kings did not. The Miami Heat, they were closer to the ball, quicker to the ball. 
you know, just the effort, the compete level was higher. And that's what Miami does. They bring it every single night. So it didn't surprise me. If you don't match their intensity, match their compete level, you will get beat. Just as the Boston Celtics last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. So when it's all said and done, I'm not shocked that we lost that game. We had the discussion yesterday, Jay and I, about effort. You know, because Keegan, among others, talked about, and we've heard this a lot this year, you know, we, ha- we, we can control our own effort. And when you think about it after a tough loss, in a way that's that borders on un- unacceptable. You're implying that you didn't give effort. We know this team, you know, they're they're trust they're not a bunch of dogs, but why do we hear so much about we didn't give the effort? Are we really talking there Kyle, you just used the word intensity. We're talking about playing harder than you think. Well, you think you're playing hard, you need to play right. harder and you need to be more focused and more intense. It's not just a matter of going out and giving effort. You have to have intensity. That's I think what the yeah. what Mike Brown's trying to get out of his team. Yeah, and, and and it's it's a process, you know. Yeah. It's and, and it's you know, we talk so much about heat culture, and that's something that they demand. We got to get to a point where we, as coaches and front office and organization, we demand that. It takes time. To your point, guys may think they're playing hard, but then you go back and look at the film. It's like, man, you could have closed out better. Man, you missed this back cut. Man, you you know. Uh, you, you should have sprinted back on defense. All those things that happen during the game, you necessarily don't notice. Then you look at the film and you say, how did we lose to this team? Oh, I see. They were the more aggressive team. They were quicker to the ball. You know, they were the more intense team. And so, let's be honest. And we may want all our teams and players to give 100% every single time. But let's be honest. They're human, Whitey. I, do we always give 100% every single time in our life? Do we always give 100% on our show that we're doing right now? Some days I come in, and this is no offense to you, I don't want to look at you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm in a bad mood, but I got to do it. Mm-hmm. But it's not my 100%. I do my best, uh-huh. you know? And, and then you look back, and, man, I got through that show. It was a rough day. And so these guys, ultimately, that's the goal, to get them to 100%. But even the Miami Heat have some off nights, some down nights. And so I'm not going to beat them up too much. You know, fans may get on them. You know, media members may get on them. But it happens in the NBA. Why can't you? Why couldn't you say, you know, there's days I come in and I'm not in the best of moods. Why do you have to say there's days I come in? I don't want to look at you. I don't want to talk to you. I'm sorry. That's, that's a little passive aggressive. Nothing, I know. It's nothing personal. You know. I mean, there's other maybe, ways you could say that. That's all. I hate maybe you. Maybe that came out wrong. My bad. That came out wrong. But seriously, you know, whether it's you or Jay, I'm like, I don't feel like dealing. Niners win a game. I don't feel like coming in dealing with this mess tonight. You know, today it happens. And so I, I think, you know, when you look at what the Kings did the other night, they thought they played hard. But once you go back and look at the films, the things they did against the Clippers, they were non-existent against the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's also especially important for this team to play with that intensity uh, because they are giving up a lot defensively. You know, they, they're not a, a great defensive team. Individually, they don't have great defenders, so you have to compensate for that somehow, and I think that's what Mike Brown is trying to get them to the point where they, they bring that physicality and that, I guess, scrappiness. It's an overused term, but I think – Mike Brown wants the Kings to be scrappier, especially on the defensive end, Kyle, and I do too. I, I'm with you. I'm 100%, you know, and there's two th- two ways we can go with this discussion right now, Whitey. 
you mentioned they don't have necessarily great individual on-ball defenders. Maybe you go out there and get somebody. Maybe that's why I wanted Dylan Brooks. But then I look at what we saw the other night against Miami. Sometimes you need a player or a couple of players to manufacture that energy, that toughness. Who's the guy that's going to, you know, ratchet up the intensity for this team on the defensive end when he gets in the game? We know Malik can do it offensively, the pace, the movement, that the, the passing. But who's the guy that can change the tone of a game defensively by getting after it? I think of guys around the league, Marcus Smart, Dylan Brooks, Pat Beverly uh, when he was at his best. Jose Alvarado, to an extent, can muck it up a little bit. Who's our guy that does that? But secondly, when we talk about this not being a good defensive team, you know, individually, I'm noticing, and I saw it during the film today, a lot of things this team could control where mm -hmm. they fell asleep on the defensive end. And we, against a team like Miami, you can't fall asleep. I mean, you got guys in the corner cutting back door and our guys are just looking, you know, ball watching. Instead of keeping ball, you and man, keep your eye on both. We lose sight of the guy in the quarter. He cuts back door. Highsmith had a couple buckets like that. And so I don't think it's all on just individual defense. I think it's the focus and the effort that Keegan Murray was talking about. Harrison Barnes may have been talking about. It's like at points during the game, we fall asleep a little bit. We lose focus. Yeah, you can't do that when physically you're already – at a disadvantage, I thought it was remarkable, Drapes, in an NBA game, you don't see this often, where a team is struggling so much to play man-to-man -man defense that yeah. the coach has to go to zone. You see that in the NBA where, hey, we'll throw in a zone, we'll change it up a little bit. But basically, the Kings had to do that because they couldn't guard people. Now, a lot of it, to your point, can be because they, they weren't doing the things they needed to do. But you don't see that a lot in the NBA where the coach has to go, we can't guard these guys, we got to go zone. I think... You know, we can quibble about whether that's really why they did it or not, but either way, I think that is something that the Kings could benefit from down the road playing more zone defense against certain teams, and Denver could be one of those teams tonight. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, you look at a, a team like Miami, you know, they go a zone a lot. Yes. And so I think you have to coach your personnel. And so Mike Brown want, may want them to be lockdown perimeter defenders one-on-one, -on -one, but sometimes – especially like we saw the other night when Miami was just killing us in, in the uh, half-court set. Yeah. You got to switch it up. You got to change it up. And, you know, he mentioned it afterwards. He probably should have went to zone a little earlier. You know, but it, it's it's on the players too, man. Like, oh, yeah. You go to zone, and then all of a sudden the players want to get after it defensively. They want to get deflections. They want to get tie-ups. Where was that, you know, in the first three quarters? And so it, it's a blame to go around. Mike and, and the players, you know, Maybe if he would have went earlier, it might have made a difference, but that's Monday morning quarterbacking right now. Do you think Mike Brown ever says to the team, look, guys, no offense, but some days I don't even want to look at you. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you think that? <laughs> yeah, he, he hasn't earned that trust in his relationship with the players like I do with you and Jay. You know, you, I can say things to you guys that you won't take it personally. So we're, we're on a different level than the squad is right now. Yeah. Hey, do you have any insight on De'Aaron Fox's uh, condition for tonight? All signs point to him playing, you know, uh -huh. took part in shoot around. Knee contusion, right? Yeah, yeah, the knee. 
Um, all signs point to him playing. I, I would be shocked if he didn't play tonight. Drapes takes are coming up. We'll get to the phones as well. 339-1140, 1-800-920-1140. Drapes is in Denver. Drive guys rolling on on second. Kings are bouncing back tonight, right? They're in Denver. Kyle Draper's in Denver. Whitey Gleason in our Sacramento studios. Tough one tonight, Drapes, for a lot of reasons. World champs in their own building. And let's face it, they're healthier than they've been at any point this year when they face the Kings. And also... Since Kings have beaten three times in a row, you're going to get the Nuggets full attention tonight. I don't think there's any question about that. Not at all. And, and remember, the last time we saw these guys, this was, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right before the All-Star break here in Denver. Valentine's Mike Day. Malone, yeah. he was he was incensed yes. at his team. Like, he was <laughs> livid with his team. Remember, Joker got the technical as well, and that sort of inspired the Kings. I believe Mike Malone, Michael Malone, He's going. He's in his uh, team's butt right now. Mm-hmm. Like I, I expect this Denver team to come out fire, on fire, breathing fire. And you're right. We've beaten them three times. It's. It's. I mean, to to go zero and four. It's like the Pelicans kicking our butt. Yeah. Like, are, we, are do we have the Nuggets number? And we'll find out tonight. Uh, big game tonight. Uh, speaking of numbers, three three nine eleven forty one eight hundred nine two zero eleven forty. Let's see what Dwayne has to say on Sackdown Sports. What's up, D? Thanks for hanging. Uh, no problem, fellas. I love the show. Um, I got to tell you, you know, it's always going to be the same. Once you get to the playoffs, you're going to meet teams where they have the ability to ratchet up the defense. They have the ability to, to make stops. They have the ability to make it hard on the other team's best player. That's what the Kings don't have. You know, they don't have a Draymond Green. They don't have a the guy NFL's who's going to do Dwayne. all that. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, Dwayne. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you should have made a move to toughen up. You should have made some trades because you can't be running stuff back with your team that you know isn't going to make it, man. So that's all I got to say. I thought the, the Kings should have traded for somebody tough who's going to handle that stuff and, and also, you know, talk to them guys on defense and tell them, look, you're not playing defense, so what's up? Mm-hmm. But anyway, guys, let me know what you think. Thank you, Dwayne. No, yeah. that's an excellent call, Whitey. Go mm-hmm. ahead, man. Yeah. Ahead. I was just going to say a lot of people feel that way. Mike Brown all year long has been preaching that very thing, that you get to the playoffs, you you if you don't defend at a higher level, you, you think you can just outscore people, you'll be uh, in for a rude awakening. So why didn't they, Drapes? Why didn't they get somebody? That's a great question. And, you know, to, to Dwayne's point, like, you know, it doesn't always have to be your best player. But, like, who's the emotional leader of this team? Who We don't – we still don't know. And, and, and I love our guys. And, you know, we, we're proud, you know, that they give effort on the court. But sometimes you need some jerks on your team. I remember I was talking to Jay Crowder about this. who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks. And we were talking before the game. And – even he said, man, y'all could use somebody like a Tony Allen back in the day or a mm. Marcus Smart. Like, mm-hmm. And I think teams know when they face Sacramento, we don't have that guy. We don't have that emotional leader, that dog, that, you know, as much as we get on Draymond, and I'm not, you know, advocating for him with the Kings or anything like, he does have value to the Golden State Warriors behind beyond just being a good passer like he's their emotional leader the heart and soul you know you go back to when when Marcus Smart was in Boston you had Tatum you had Brown you had Al Horford you had veterans you had but who was their emotional leader ask the players and they said Marcus Smart 
who is our emotional leader? And I think that's one thing Monty has to address. You know, you can go out there and get the Pascal Siakams, the Jeremy Grants, but you also need some dogs as well. You know, I, I look at a team like Denver, let's say. When you look at what we're going to see tonight, I think Aaron Gordon is an emotional leader. I think KCP yes, yes. Is, can be – I think Reggie Jackson can be an emotional – like, who's our – like, when we watch our guys play, we know they care, right? Mm-hmm. But how many of our guys do we look at and can see it on their face, can see it and feel it? Like Domas, we can feel it, right? You know, Malik, we can feel it. But too many of our guys are just – even keeled you know what i mean we're straight lines you know yeah i i i need a little uh you know up and down i don't, I don't want you to be draymond crazy or anything like that but you got to have a, a pulse when you're out there on the floor and i think too many times teams come in and they feel like you know what the kings won't put up yeah. much resistance we'll shove them around yeah, yeah. and, and i think that's back. what mike brown is trying to get this squad to do i think malik in a lot of ways is a defensive leader or excuse me the emotional leader i meant to say but he's not yeah. a great defender and i know we've talked about this guy before he still is on the spurs roster a lot of people are waiting to see if he gets uh, bought out marcus morris uh, if you were available if you were the kings would you make a play there i would I, i'm a big marcus mm-hmm. morris fan you know he's my guy from philly Played in Boston. You know, I, I tell you what. Is he the guy that you had an issue with? Yeah, him and uh, I had an yeah. issue. I, I guess let me tell the story real quick. <laughs> We're in Boston, and Marcus, he sort of knew. Like, I think this was his first year. I knew he was from Philly, so I know how Philly guys are. I'm, I'm like that, too. But, you know, I used to do the pre and post game, and then one game I said he struggled, basically. He was like 3 or 14, and he took offense to that. So I get to the arena, and this guy I work with, Asia Rod Blakely, great NBA writer, he says, Kyle, don't go in the locker room. Marcus Morris is going to have some words for you. I'm like, man, I ain't worried about Marcus Morris. So he comes out onto the court, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shoot. Yeah. There goes Marcus Morris. Uh-oh. He comes up to me, and we talk. He's like, yo, man, I heard what you said the other day. Why would you say, you know, uh, I'm struggling? I'm like, dude, you were 3 of 14. You scored seven points. I said, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader when you play well. But I also got to call out what I see. And maybe struggling wasn't the right word. Or, yeah. But he was off that night. Uh-huh. And so, But after that, we've been cool. We, we had our peace. Good. We said our words. We were cool. But the thing about Marcus Morris that I like, let me ask you this. When Jaime Jaquez is killing us, mm-hmm. torching us, yeah. when the Heat are getting layup after layup, you know what Marcus Morris will do? He'll take a frustration foul. Touch somebody up. Touch somebody up. Somebody going to the – he at least going to body you or grab you yeah. or make you feel him some yeah. way uh-huh. so that – you know what? And, and so that's what I'm talking – I'm not talking about being dirty, Whitey. I'm talking about I need to feel that this these right. guys – it means something to these you don't guys. Hurt so, know, you don't want to hurt somebody, but you right. touch them up. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. and so I, I think, you know, I, I think every NBA team needs that. I think, you know, at times we're too much of a finesse team. Uh, we saw it against the Clippers. Like, like when De'Aaron Fox got angry, you know, and, and, and got after it with James Harden and was talking trash, I like that De'Aaron Fox. I mm-hmm. love that De'Aaron Fox. I would like to see more of it. 
We got about five minutes here. Do you want to get to drape stakes? We can hold off on it, or if you want to roll with it now, I think we got a nice chunk left for you. It's up. It's up to you. It's your call. No, we we can fly through it. It's not yeah. a whole lot, you know, because we're a couple days removed from the game. But yes, let's get into it. From Denver, <laughs> calm down, line. Calm down. Take it easy, man. Just take it easy. <laughs> All right, Sacramento Kings fans, you know, I'm starting to wonder about this Keegan Murray situation. Every time the dude plays well, it seems like we can't get the W. Remember, he scored 33 against Miami when we were in Miami. Remember that happened? Mm -hmm. He played fantastic, 28 this time, and we wasted it with the loss. I honestly would like to see Keegan Murray get more shots, especially when he's going. He only had 14 shots in that game, Whitey. Like, we need to learn to ride the hot hand a little better. And I know some of them came in the fourth quarter to start, but he started off the game pretty on fire, pretty hot, 15 points in the first half. I think we need to feature him a little bit more, especially when he has it going on and he has that look that we saw the other night. Yeah, guy who's 10 for 14, 6 for 7 from the three-point line. Shouldn't be struggling to get shots. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he had 28 points. You know, De'Aaron took uh, 24 shots. Uh, I also would like Mike Brown to trust his bench a little bit more. Mm. Because Davion Mitchell only played nine minutes and change. Before that, Davion had been playing 17 minutes or so. Like, when you need a defensive game changer, somebody to compete and get after defensively, I would have liked to see Davion a little more in that game. I, I don't know why Mike took him out. You know, he w- was actually playing pretty decent. It wasn't foul trouble or anything like that. I would have liked uh, Davion to got a look on a Jaime Jaquez or somebody like that. Yeah, I know the Heat did take advantage of some of their size mismatches. I don't recall specifically them doing that with Davion, but that's the only thing I can think of as, for, as to a reason why. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, there's no way that Kevin Love and Haywood Heisman <laughs> should be Love. out should yeah. be outscored the Kings bench. Kevin Love with 19 points hit, sitting in a hot tub time machine. That can't that that just can't happen. And, and Kevin Love's a future Hall of Famer, ladies and gentlemen. This guy's gonna go to the Hall of Fame. Trust me on that. But man, he should not be outplaying our bench all by himself. And that's what he did. We had 17 bench points, he had 19. Haywood Highsmith had 15 himself. So we need better production from our bench, I think, White. Yeah, Kevin Love had 19 points in 15 minutes. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? <laughs> like, I mean, it's um, – and so this is the, – the final point I'm going to make about this is that we need to consider and try to achieve what Miami has achieved. And I'm not just talking about making it to the finals or the Eastern Conference finals like they've been doing. I'm talking about a culture that no matter who's in the game, like Caleb Martin was out there talking smack. How's Caleb Martin coming into our building talking? Because he has that bravado, that confidence. That's the Miami Heat way. They got a chip on our shoulder. We have to figure out a way to get a chip on our shoulder so that when we walk into Miami, when we walk into Denver tonight, we feel like we the baddest boys out here on the court tonight. Mm-hmm. That's Amen. all I got to say. Well, all right. That's all gotcha. Say. There's one big question I have about the whole Kings culture issue. I know we've been talking about it a lot lately. Maybe you have the answer. We'll find out when we come right back. Drive Guys, Sacktowns. We got a lot of questions we got to answer today, including how much money did Kyle Draper give to his buddy Kendrick Perkins to start talking about Domas's MVP candidacy. Well played, Kyle Draper. We'll get to that. Uh, Drapes is in Denver, of course. 
Uh, Kyle, we were just talking about the Kings and culture. You know, you were mentioning you'd like to see the Kings get to a point where they have some kind of culture, defining culture, like what the Heat have. To me, one of the big questions there is whose vision will that be? For example, you go back to, we talked about this yesterday, the day before, the 49ers, the Bill Walsh 49ers, one of the first sports teams to talk about culture, and it was Bill Walsh who handed that down. This is the way we do things. Um, we know that uh, with the Heat, Pat Riley pretty much laid down the law. This is the way we do things. People come came up within that culture, and they were immersed in it. Who would, Whose vision would establish the culture for the Sacramento Kings right now, in, in your view? Looks like Drapes is, uh, is Drapes not able to hear me? Hello, Kyle Draper. Yeah. All right, we'll get to Drapes as soon as we can. Sounds as if we've, uh, we've lost our audio connection with Kyle Draper. So we'll get him going as, as soon as we can. But that's, to me, the big question with the Kings and culture. I know that I've been assuming it'd be something that Mike Brown would, would hand down. He'd bring the culture in, a winning culture. But it's hard for a coach to do that if he doesn't have the total backing of GM and ownership. And I'm not saying he doesn't, but I'm just not sure the organization is to that point yet. So that to me is the big issue as far as the Kings and culture right now. Who's who's establishing what that culture is? The other thing is, as we all know, if you're you're talking about comparing a Kings culture to the Miami Heat culture, it's just not fair to do so because the Heat culture was established in what, nineteen ninety something. They started working on it. They've won multiple championships. And the Kings are, if you say Mike Brown's establishing a culture here, is not even two years into it yet. So there's promising signs. Um, but we're, we're a long ways from having any sort of Kings culture. I, I thought it was interesting a couple of days ago, Kyle and I were talking about what is a Kings type player right now? We, we don't even know that. And it's too early to know that that's not a criticism, but those are the types of things when you establish a culture, you know, you know, oh, what kind of player fits our culture and it helps you to figure out who to draft, helps you to figure out who to pursue in free agency uh, and the Kings right now are still more in, in, in line with um, plug in holes. So that's that's something that um, hopefully they can continue to develop and nothing develops a winning culture like winning. How about that? I'm a genius, right? Yeah. Uh, the more the Kings can continue to win, uh, the more they're going to start to establish this is the way that we do things. 339 uh, we'll reconnect with Drapes as soon as we can. Uh, he courses in uh, Denver, getting ready for the Kings and the and the Nuggets uh, tonight. And the Nuggets will uh, have well, the Kings will have the Nuggets full attention, I should say. Kings haven't beaten the Nuggets three times already this year, and the Nuggets have been to varying degrees shorthanded in each of those games. And Michael Malone, as Drapes pointed out one of our earlier segments today, when those two teams played on Valentine's Day, right before the break, Michael Malone was very determined to see his team win that game. He was going on the all-star break. He's going to go watch his daughter play volleyball. And he mentioned, I, I will not, I will not be uh, nice to be around if they don't win. And the Kings took care of their business. So we'll see. Jay, how big of a factor is that tonight? The fact that Denver just wants to show that they can beat these guys. I think it's huge. I mean, you, you you've already lost to the Kings three times, and uh, I mean, excuse me, two times. You want to go zero and three. You you want to set a tone here. You want to yeah. let the Kings know that. Listen, we may see you in the playoffs, and 
if that's the case, we need to let you know that we can beat you. And I think it's almost vice versa with the Kings versus the Pelicans. Yeah. It's big time. Uh-huh. You know, just morale, just spirit, just in your mind. Yeah. That's a, yeah, you just want to prove you want to prove the other team, but on some level you have to prove it to yourself too, don't you? Now the Nuggets are world freaking champions, so I don't imagine, you know, they're thinking, gee, I don't know if we can beat these guys, but they definitely want to make sure they take care of that business. One of the things that the Kings have done fairly consistently uh, this season in beating Denver is the bench has played well. You had two games in which the Kings bench really outplayed, outscored the Denver bench. The last game was kind of a wash, so that's something to keep an eye on tonight, especially because Denver, they're going to be as close to fully healthy as they've been in any of these three games, so their bench should be deeper. But, uh, Drapes, this is a, a bigger game, I think, for Denver than we would have thought it would have been since they haven't beaten the Kings yet. Now, we're still trying to get back in touch with uh, Kyle Draper standing by in Denver. Uh, something uh, very interesting said today, Drapes' buddy uh, Kendrick Perkins uh, on NBA. Yeah. All right. Do we have Kyle Draper? Can you hear me, uh, sir? I, I got you now, man. We had to switch microphones. Good, good, good. All you right. Got me? Okay. Yes. Here was my question, Drapes, about King's culture. We were just talking about that. Uh, long story short. You know, the, the Heat have their culture, which was established by Pat Riley. The Kings, it looks like Mike Brown's trying to establish a culture, but, you know, is that going to be like Mike Brown's vision, Monty's vision, Vivek's vision? Who is going to determine what the Kings' culture really consists of? That That's a great question, Whitey, because when you look at what transpired for the Miami Heat, Pat Riley, wherever he's at, he commands respect. You know what I mean? There's an aura around him. And I'm talking even before Miami. When he was in the, with the New York Knicks, it was his vision, his culture. And so does Mike Brown carry that kind of cachet, that kind of weight, you know? And is Monty McNair on the same page as him? Does Monty carry that? You know, one thing I know, and, and I know the Oklahoma City Thunder organization very well, interviewed for a job there years ago, inter- met with Sam Presti, met with Clay Bennett, the owner. And one thing I took away from meeting with Oklahoma City is Sam's in charge. It's his ship to run. Mm-hmm. Same thing in Miami. Eric Spolster is great, but we know it's Pat Riley who's the face of that franchise. Who's the face of our franchise? Who's that guy that everybody follows in lockstep? Is it Mike Brown? Is it Monty McNair? And so I think – you know, when we talk about culture and you ask me who sets that culture, that's a great question. Like, yeah. When you look at Golden State, who sets their culture? Was it Bob Myers? Is it Joe Lacob? Is it Steph Curry? You know, like, uh, I, I could argue it's Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. I could argue, you know, the Warriors didn't become the Warriors until Steph Curry became Steph Curry. And then all of yeah. a sudden, everything else uh, falls in line. And so we need to find who's that person in our organization that carries that weight, whose voice weighs and rings louder than anybody else's. Yeah. Right now, I think it's Mike Brown and, and Monty McNair. Both of them carry, you know, major weight. I think ultimately uh, it, it might be on Monty McNair. I don't know. That That's a great question, though. I think you got to have that guy. You know, even when you look at <clears> – <throat> Other franchises I've been around, Boston, you know, who carries the weight in that organization? You know, when Danny Ainge was there, it was Danny Ainge. He was the guy. 
Everybody followed with Danny Ainge. Is it Brad Stevens now? Is it ownership? I'm not 100% sure. I'm not around anymore. But when Danny Ainge was there, he was the guy. Yeah. And so that that's a great question, man. Yeah, it comes down to if you want to find out what is the Heat way or what is the Kings way or what is the Celtics way, who do you at? You know, there's one, one, one person usually – the one person who can really answer that. With the Kings, like you, and I think like a lot of us, I've been assuming, oh, it's Mike Brown. He's bringing that culture in. Uh, and he's made progress in that regard. But unless and until ownership and the front office either are with him and say, yes, this is what we're doing, or they allow him, say, yes, we want you to establish that culture, there's only so much he can do. We're still in the early stages here. So, you know, winning takes care of a lot of that. But at some point, we may get to that point where, well, what are we doing here? What is a Kings player and how do we make sure we're all, on, we're all on the same page? Pardon me. Ryan Williams Art on the chat says, culture is organic. If you try to force it, guys will see through and not buy in completely. You have to have the buy-in from the players or you got nothing. Right. Yeah, that's right. true. You got nothing. Well, here's the thing, though. You know, when, when you look at successful organizations, so let's take the Niners, for example. Who sets the culture for the Niners? Who would you say, Whitey? Right now, it's, uh, it's uh, Kyle Shanahan. Exactly. It's Kyle Shanahan. But yeah. you know what? Kyle Shanahan has the backing of John Lynch. Yes, you know? yes. Like, and so, to Ryan's point, it's organic. Guys will see through it and not buy in it completely. The the GM and the coach have to be in lockstep mm-hmm. to build culture. And, you know, by all accounts, it seems like Monty and Mike are in terms of how they want to run things. Now, they might differ on personnel, offense, defense, what things they need. But I, I would say this. I feel like when Mike Brown got hired, and right from the very start, his introductory press conference, he talked about winning championships. I think he sort of changed the culture of this franchise. And so now we'll have to see, you know, will guys buy in? Will we reflect the kind of coach that he is on the floor? Like, I think we're still in the infancy of the Mike Brown. I mean, we're a, a season, one and right. a half season. Like, right. It's still. Absolutely. Now, like, like was Eric Spolstra Eric Spolstra <laughs> his first year, year and a half? You yeah. know, remember LeBron challenged him. And so, but he had the backing of Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. And so I think Mike Brown and, and uh, you know, uh, Monty McNair, for, for this to be successful, they have to be in lockstep. Monty has to have his coach back. Mike has to be able to trust Monty. And that's something that develops over time, I think. Meanwhile, the Kings are in the national news today because one of Drape's friends says that a King uh, should be an MVP candidate. Uh, We'll come right back to that when the Drive Guys return on Sackdown Sports. With his Kings in Denver uh, tonight, Kyle Draper is in Denver. And uh, coming up top of the hour, we'll talk to the TV voice of the Nuggets, Chris Marlowe, who actually won a gold medal in volleyball. How about that, Drake? Oh, so, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. At uh, 84 Summer Olympics. So, yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. So, he's a legit volleyball star. But Chris Marlowe going to join us top of the hour. Now, as far as what's up with the Kings today, how much did you pay Kendrick Perkins to say what he said today, Drapes? Not at all. I'm sitting there in the hotel room watching it, and I'm like, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> sticking up, sticking up for our boy DeMontis Sabonis. He wasn't paid to. He he's, he didn't uh, – I didn't promise him anything. He did it on his own. And he backed it up on social media with a tweet here recently. And so um, – and I just texted him. Oh, you know what? He just texted me right now, as a matter of fact. 
Jay, call Kendrick Perkins right now. Jay, Jay the producer. I got you. I'm on you. Call Kendrick. Kendrick Perkins right now. I'm going to text him and tell him Jay calling him right now. Yeah, so long story short, and we have the audio here, but Jay, can, you know, he's texting Kendrick. For those who didn't hear, uh, Kendrick Perkins says that uh, Domas is uh, – here it is. Here's Kendrick Perkins, what he had to say about Domas today. We can make a compelling argument for all of these guys when it comes down to Jokic, when it comes down to SGA. It could come down to Donovan Mitchell, Luca. Like, all these guys are going to put up historical numbers in today's game. Yeah. Hell, if we want to make a case, why are we not saying anything about Sabonis? Sabonis right now, hold on, <laughs> listen, hold on. If we're going based on numbers, Sabonis is leading the NBA in triple doubles. Uh. He's, oh, hold on. He's also leading the league in double doubles. The man is averaging 20 13 and 8. Briefly, is, briefly. Just... Better case for Luka Doncic than for Sabonis. I mean, leading the league without Embiid and scoring, and then also giving you almost 9 and 10. That's a triple-double, and the reason that's the reason I why Jokic the is the favorite. I thought the triple-doubles missed something. Look, we can make a compelling... So that's, uh, that's Kendrick Perkins today, meeting with some objection uh, on the ESPN panel, Drapes. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, man. And, and, and I applaud Perk. For, for doing this, you know, for Sacramento, the Kings, um, DeMontis, Sabonis. My problem, though, and I don't know, and, 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 and the listener, you can't, if you, you got to go out there and see the video. Yes, too. yes. Shanae Gumake, her reaction mm-hmm. to when Perk mentioned DeMontis, Sabonis, it was like, <laughs> we're talking MV, like, like he didn't even belong in the conversation. Right. Where, if I'm correct, on the NBA.com MVP tracker, her uh, Demontis Sabonis is top seven. Yeah, let's bring, bring him on, our guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's bring him. My guy Kendrick Perk is joining us. Perk, I know you're super busy, man, doing all your work for ESPN and everything. But you touched the nerve, big fella. <laughs> you took. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for giving a shout out to our boy Demontis Sabonis. Reiterate what you said earlier for people uh, at home. First of all, good to hear from you, Drake. Second of all, fix your face. Cause I know you probably thought your boy wouldn't go come on and come through. You know I'm coming to holler at my boy. That's that's first thing. That's the second thing. Look, what I'm saying is, okay, I have Jason Tatum as my front runner, okay, for us winning the MVP. It shouldn't be held against him because of the personnel that's surrounding him. But if we're going to throw out these numbers that all these other players are doing, you know, SGA, he's – he scored 43 – he scored 30 points 43 times. You see what Jokic is doing down there in Denver with triple-doubles. Okay, that's cool. I'm not knocking any one of those guys. But if that's what we're going to base it on, then how about talking about Sabonis? Sabonis mm-hmm. is leading the league in triple-doubles. He's leading the league in double-doubles. He's averaging 20, 13, and 8. So – and his team is winning. Like – they're, what, seven games or six games above 500 So yep. in a tough Western Conference? So what, what is the conversation? And so my thing is, and this is why I said earlier today, is that we got to set some type of standard, right, a criteria. My criteria is best player with good numbers on the best team with the winning record. Last year I voted for Giannis. I'm standing on business and I'm a – Looks like it's going to be Jason Tatum for me. But that's okay. My thing is, why is Sabonis not mentioned? Or it's a problem when you do mention his name. Mm-hmm. 
You know what it is, Perk. Perk, you know what it is. If he would have had a Knicks jersey on or a Lakers jersey on, there wouldn't be no conversation. You know that. But why, though? The disrespect for Sacramento. Because it, think about it, Perk. The dude wasn't even an all-star, big fella. He's putting up, you know, legendary numbers, numbers we haven't seen since guys like Wilk and Oscar and Jokic. He's, you know, he's about to be top 10 all time in triple doubles, but yet he well, can't even be an all-star perk? Come on, man. But, but let me ask you a question. Let me ask you this. And, I, and this is where we got to compare, and I'm not trying to bring Jokic into the conversation. We got to bring Jokic into the conversation. Okay, Jokic's first MVP, what did Jokic average? I don't know. 27. Yeah, he, he was up there yeah. 27, 12, and like 7. Okay, but I mean, what's the difference with Sabonis? Okay, less points. I get it. He got a lot more weapons. He has the Aaron Fox. Jokic did it without Jamal Murray. But my point in saying is, if we're going to base it on numbers and the combination of wins, we got to put Sabonis in that conversation. Yeah. Kendrick, uh, thanks for coming on with us. Kevin Gleason here. I wanted to ask you. Uh, a lot of people can disagree with that or agree. Were you surprised, though, that when you mentioned it, that you had people on the panel who were laughing at the notion of Sabonis being considered for MVP? It wasn't. It ain't the first time. It ain't the first time. But I'm here to tell the people and the and the audience what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. Right? So mm-hmm. they needed to hear this about Sabonis. Whether, you know, I feel like their reaction to it was right or wrong, <laughs> that's – that's on them, and they got to deal with the Sacramento Kings fans, not me. You know what I'm saying? My point is is that I'm here to educate the audience and shine light on this young man who's not getting the proper respect or just do that we're supposed to be giving him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He got disrespected in the All-Star game, and now we talk about these numbers with MVPs, and here we are. And, the, you know, it's not the first time, right? I just said a lot of things on on, on the shows or whatever and facial expressions look at me crazy then all of a sudden two weeks later you know the apologies start coming in <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey Perk I, I want to ask you this though because we, we just had a conversation about culture and trying to develop it we talked about heat culture those goons, goons down there in Dade County I know about the Celtics culture too with the, that you guys had Who's in charge of building the culture? Is it on a player? Is it a coach? Is it a front office? Where does it does start? Does it have to be one guy that starts it? I think I think with the culture, you got to be a combination of both. Right? You got to you got to be the front office having the back of the head coach, so that the coach could go in and have the locker the 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 franchise guys. Or, you know, the franchise guys or their superstars or stars be able to have the respect from them to hold them accountable because they know that, you know, what, let me let me say this. The most important thing in the world when you talk about culture is accountability. And in today's game, we know how hard it is for coaches to hold players accountable because if your star player, your superstar player don't like you, <clears throat> Giannis, you could actually be out with a 30-13 and 13 record halfway through the season. So if you got that support from the front office that you could go in there and, and, and stand on business, then you 
see the likes of an Eric Spolcher who could demand a locker room because Pat Riley not about to hear from he's not about to talk to your agent. He's not about to talk to you when it comes down to Eric Spolcher. And so that culture is real. All of a sudden players are like, damn, I gotta buy into it. Mm-hmm. That's how a culture is established. Big perk, uh, obviously when you look at Sabonis's numbers, they jump off the page. That's what most of us see. But you, having played the game at the highest level, when you watch Domas, what impresses you the most about the way he's putting up those numbers? But you know what? I always knew. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So I just retired, and I went down to Oklahoma City. And I was watching Sabonis at shoot-around when he was a rookie. And Troy Weaver came up to me and said, this one right here, he's going to be special. And I said, what you mean, special? He said, like, no, like, he's going to be mentioned as one of the best bigs in the game. So I'm like, we, all right, I know, you know, y'all drafted him or whatever. (laughs) You know, that's the high praise. But here we are. Like, seriously, here we are. And and he's a top five big in the game. You could go Giannis. You could go Jokic. You can go Embiid. You can go Edson Davis. It's a bonus. And, the bonus has been actually kicking Anthony Davis' ass for a minute now. Mm-hmm. If you go and pull up the numbers and the records, but to me, it's his physicality. I already knew he could pass the ball, but the relentless, the relentless, relentless, relentless of him on the glass is what yeah. gets me. Along, like he's not afraid. Like he's gonna put that shoulder into your chest. He's trying to tomato chest you. He's trying to go up strong and snatch the screws out the room. Like that type of tenacity, like that force, and he cares. Like he actually gives it that. Mm. Perk, uh, my last question, man. I know you, uh, you. I'm sure you're doing more ESPN stuff tonight. I know they got you on TV tonight coming up with NBA Countdown. But I, I, I want to ask you about yeah. Kevin Garnett in Boston uh-huh. because I maintain that when I look at my Sacramento Kings, I can't feel them on the floor like. I can, I can feel Sabonis how much he cares. You played with Kevin Garnett. And we talk about culture. He helped with that culture, too, in Boston. Let's let's call it what it is. But mm-hmm. how was he able to manage? Like, do teams need a player leader like that? Somebody that you can feel that holds the locker room accountable. That, you know, when he walks in, y'all straightening up because he's there. You, you see the Milwaukee Bucks, huh? Mm. Milwaukee, the M- Milwaukee Bucks are struggling. Right, I got in. I, you know, it was gonna take him time, right? Then all of a sudden, who did they trade for? Oh, Patrick Beverly. Mm. Oh, Patrick Beverly. And the first day he got there, the first game, we see him with a clipboard holding <laughs> Brook Lopez accountable, right? Yeah. And I keep, I, I tell this, I tell this to so many people, and I say this all the time: your emotional leader doesn't have to be your best player. As long as you have that one guy that's on your team that's going to lead, that's going to hold guys accountable, that's going to punch in the clock, and they they respect him, and is and and that guy is an extension of the head coach. And all of a sudden, you got something. I've never named me one NBA 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 champion a team that won a championship without having an emotional leader. You can. Yeah, that voice in the locker room is invaluable. And I tell people this all the time, Austin Rivers, 
we had uh, had a little debate about it because he was like, man, KG was y'all leading. I was like, no, he wasn't. He 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 led by example on the floor with his tenacity and his game. James Posey James Posey was our our emotional leader. Wow. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Big Perk, we appreciate your time very, very much. And, you know, fans in Sacramento, we often feel slighted, disrespected. So I know you're just doing your job, but there's a lot of fans in Sacramento, a lot of Domas fans that really appreciate what you had to say today. So thank you. Well, well, I appreciate them, and I just appreciate great basketball. You know what else I'm going to appreciate? When I get to Sacramento and I get to hit the free food, get the free food. That's all I need to (laughs) to, to appreciate. Just take me to the restaurant. You ain't changed a bit, Perk. You know? <laughs> hey, man. Hey, thanks for answering my text, big fella. That oh, means a oh. lot to me. You already know, Drake. All right, big Perk. Thanks, Perk. Right. Thank you. <laughs> and nah, thank you. Thanks, Drapes, for lining that up. Uh, when we come back, Chris Marlowe, voice of the Nuggets, on why the Kings have had the success they've had this year against his team. That's coming up with the Drive Guys on Sacktown Sports.